Hello, everyone. My name is Michael Bowman, and welcome to the Christ Church Podcast. this is your first time listening, hey, thank you so much for being here. We are glad that you are joining us on this podcast. We have been for quite some time now having discussions all about prayer. We did some short episodes in the beginning, teaching on prayer, seeking to understand it a little bit better. And then we had a series of interviews after that where we had conversations with real people. It's not just me sitting here talking at a microphone, but um, me joined by some men and women where we are sharing in conversation about what prayer is and what it looks like in our own lives. Really fruitful stuff. Um, I would encourage you if you if this is just your first episode to go back and listen to some of those episodes if you're interested. Um, we hope that if you have been listening along, that this podcast has been helpful for you. I really, really do mean that. I, I hope that this has been at least a resource that might help you in practicing the way of Jesus um, in your own life. Today, uh, before we get started, let me just say we are going to be shifting away from prayer. The conversation isn't going to be all about prayer anymore. In fact, we're going to be talking about something else completely. Uh, for the next little bit, we're going to talk about liturgy or as I'm calling it, the L word these days. Uh, mixed into this, we'll talk about things like creeds, order of worship, structure of what we do on Sunday mornings when we gather as the church body and do this thing that we call church, all that good stuff. But all of it falls under this L word, um, under the category of liturgy. So there's that. Um, and without further ado, I think we should just kind of jump right into it. Liturgy. Okay, liturgy. Here we go. I know that there's probably a large population of our own church family here at Christ Church Birmingham that has some idea as to what liturgy is, but I also know that there's a fairly large part of our church that has no idea what liturgy is. And listen, I, I recognize um, that some of us come from faith traditions where the word liturgy was never used. Therefore, this is a new word for us. And yet at the same time, we have some folks who have a bad taste in their mouth when they just hear the word liturgy, which is why I was calling it the L word, because of their own past experience. Even further, you know, some of us have no clue what liturgy even is, so we don't know the value or the importance of it. We couldn't even point at it or look at something and say, that's liturgy, because we're not even familiar with the term, while some of us in the Christchurch family recognize that we do practice a liturgy in our own worship services, but we have no idea why we do it. We still don't really understand the value of it or why it is that it's called liturgy in the first place. So with all these things in mind, um, we thought it might be a good idea to talk about it. So are you game? Are you ready to talk about some liturgy? Well, good. Again, I'm glad you're here. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Liturgy comes from the Greek word leotorgia, leotorgia. And this Greek term literally means the work of the people. And that's all that liturgy is. It's the work 
of the people? What does that mean for worship of the church? What does it have to do with worship in our church? Well, liturgy, simply put, is the things that we do. To go a little bit further and get really specific with it in the life of the church, it's the things that we do in worship. It's the work of the people. And in this way, everything that we do on a Sunday morning in worship, whether you like it or not, is a liturgy. So if you come and worship on a Sunday morning in a church or at Christ Church, for example, you are participating in a liturgy, whether you realize it or not. That's what's going on. See, liturgy is more than this. And, and when we use the term liturgy, we are often referring to something a little bit more specific, and I promise we'll get there. But I want to start here, like at the most simple and broad definition of what liturgy is, so that we have a better understanding um, as we get into this discussion. Liturgy, and I, I promise you this, is not a bad word. <laughs> it, it's, it's not some Roman Catholic thing. It, it doesn't have to even really, it doesn't even have to really do with super high church stuff like smells and bells and robes and icons and that kind of thing. That's, that's not... That is a liturgy, absolutely a great example of what liturgy can look like, but that's not necessarily it. Um, and, and let me just say this, I, and, and this is what I hope happens as a result of this podcast. Liturgy is not some monotonous or dull thing in the church. I know a lot of us, the reason why we have a bad taste in our mouths when it comes to this, even just the word liturgy, even just hearing it, is because we think of like rote um, repetitive and monotonous things. We think of people saying like the Apostles' Creed, all monotone, and, and it's just, it, it's not life-giving. There's no life in it. But my hope is as a result of this podcast, we would see that that's not the case, that liturgy, yes, it is repetitive. But that's exactly where the beauty of liturgy lies. But again, we... We will get there. So before we move on, let me say this. We find liturgy everywhere. Like everywhere, not just in Christian worship. Sports, for example, have a liturgy. If you like sports, then you're probably a fan of liturgy. Watch the pregame. It's the same thing over and over. The warm-up routines, the calling out of the starters. Do they do the national anthem? What's going on? Where are the teams standing? It's all the same. The way the games begin and how they end, even how games are played, are repetitive actions. Football. You know it's football because of the way it's played. It's the same thing every single time. Baseball, same thing. That is a liturgy. There's a repetitive liturgy to them. Doing math flashcards with your children is a liturgy. It's a repetitive form of learning that helps us remember our times tables, for example. If you like to cook, the recipe you follows or you follow are liturgies. Scales that musicians play to practice are liturgies. In all of these things, like any other liturgy, the repetition is unto something. Yes, it's repetitive, but it's meant to be repetitive on purpose because it forms in us an ability to do something. That's what liturgy is all about. Um, even further, your daily routine is liturgical. It is a liturgy. I mean, think about it. You wake up, 
then you have your morning routine. You you have your morning coffee, you eat breakfast, you brush your teeth, you put on clothes, you get in the car, you drop the kids off at school, you go to work, you, you work, you eat all three meals, sometimes more, you drive home, you get ready for bed. Are you catching on here? It's all a liturgy. Liturgy is the work of the people. It's made up of the patterns and practices that form who you are. The liturgy is unto something. Whether you know it or not, you're practicing a liturgy in your own life right now, and you are being formed by it. And that's exactly why it's so important that we talk about it. Because quite frankly, we need to be aware of what is shaping us. Because my fear is that many of us are not. So why don't we start there? What what shapes us? Well, I would argue that if you strip everything away and you get right to the bare bones of it all, we come to find that we are shaped and formed by what we love. Think about a normal day for you. What do you spend the most time doing? What would you say that you love? What is something you do over and over and over again? And how is that thing forming you. If it's online shopping, for example, where you are constantly searching the Amazon deals, you got to make sure you don't miss the sale and you click that buy now button over and over again. How is that forming you? If it's running or exercise, remember these are good things too. How is that forming who you are? If it's working more and more hours each week to climb that corporate scale, maybe it's binging Netflix shows. How do you think these things might be forming you? How do you think these things are telling you and defining who you are? What you love is, in one sense, what you will give the most time to. It's what you will make time for. And in a sense, it will reveal to you what you really worship. James K. Smith wrote a book called You Are What You Love. It's fantastic. You really should read it. But he notes... We learn to love then not primarily by acquiring information about what we should love, but rather through practices that form the habits of how we love. We learn to love through repetition and practice, habits and routine. Think about it. Why why is dating so important for a couple? It's because time spent together over and over again, deepens and shapes our love for one another. That's why dating actually helps us figure out who it is that we should end up with. It's one way of looking at it anyway. Tish Harrison Harrison Warren, she's an Anglican priest up in Pittsburgh now, has a wonderful book called The Liturgy of the Ordinary, where she reveals that our hearts and our loves are shaped by what we do again and again and again. And she goes on to say that the crucible of our formation is in the anonymous monotony of our daily routines. See, it's in what we do time after time, as the old song goes. It's in what we do time after time that forms us into who we are. So who are we? Who are we supposed to be? Is this not the underlying question of like every single human ever, everywhere? (laughs) We all want to know who we are. And if you're a reader of the Bible, we're told pretty much at the beginning in Genesis that we were created in God's image. We were made for a real 
relationship with him, that we bear his image in the world and to the world. And later on, we get to the Gospels and we find, especially in Matthew and Mark, that when Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, he comes up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus and rests on him like a dove. The heavens open up and God the Father speaks and he says this, you remember, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Henry Nouwen pointed out that what is said of Jesus is also said of us. We are the Father's beloved daughters and beloved sons in whom he is well pleased. That's who we are. And our lives are meant to be lived in such a way that they are shaped and formed more into the image of Jesus the Son. But how does that happen? Well, I would argue by practicing the way of Jesus, by practicing things that we call the spiritual disciplines, or if discipline is too heavy of a word for you, the spiritual practices, things like prayer, which we've spent a lot of time talking about, things like prayer and fasting, corporate worship, which is a little bit of what we're talking about right now, things like reading scripture, meditating, being silent, practicing solitude. See, all these things are an alternative to the way of the world. This is a way of life that's totally different than what culture or surrounding society might say is the way we should live. It's an alternative, and we are to be an alternative people. We are to be salt and light, right? We're to be those who possess and live out the fruits of the Spirit, things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We are a people who worship, except we recognize what it is that we worship, or at least we're meant to. And when I say what it is that we worship, I really mean who. Yet to be an alternative people, we need to be formed differently. Again, James K. Smith reveals here that we must take up practices and habits that aim our love and desire toward God. See, that's, that's the way in which we worship, Romans 12.1. This is our living sacrifice. And this is the importance of liturgy in our worship. The Anglican Bishop Todd Hunter speaks to the importance of liturgy in this way. He says, liturgy provides structure for spiritual practices. These practices enable meeting with and apprenticeship to Jesus, which is exactly what we're after, by the way. Hunter goes on to say, for instance, confession of sin provides spaces and words for me to agree with God about the state of my life and find forgiveness where necessary. Singing the doxology gives me a weekly moment to thank God and give him glory for his presence and provision in my life. Saying the creed reminds me of the outline of the story of which I am invited to make the story of my life. The other elements of liturgy follow the same pattern. He goes on and says they can be for us if we want and intend them to be spiritual food for the soul as best experienced in Holy Communion. So he just walked us through the liturgy. Liturgy carves out the space necessary for God. It gives, it gives us time to meet and to, be a, and to be with him. It helps us in our worship of God through reminding us of who God is and who we are in light of that truth. In the liturgy, we come to find how loved we are. 
and we respond to that love. See, this is the whole point of liturgy. Dr. James Farwell, who's the professor of liturgy and theology at Virginia Theological Seminary, says the point of liturgy is to embody the love of the one who first loved us. Remember, again, it all starts with love. It's a recognition of how much God loves us. And this is how we respond through our work, the work of the people, through our liturgy. We are reminded of his great love for us. We embody that love as well. We respond to it. We're shaped by it. We're formed by it. And then we're sent out into the world to be it to the world. It's for the sake of the world, after all. Dr. Farwell goes on to say, in truth... All of life is one liturgy, the liturgy that is Jesus Christ, in whom God's whole creation is centered and in whom the world is mended. To enter that liturgy in all of one's doings and find wholeness there is the point of the liturgy we do on Sundays. Okay, I know this is a lot, especially for our first episode on the matter. But really what I wanted to kind of do is just break it down enough to where we did have either a better taste in our mouth with liturgy or a better understanding as to what it is, or for those of us who didn't know what it was in the first place, an introduction to what liturgy is. The whole reason we're even talking about something like liturgy is because it is important. And it is kind of a funny word, sure, but its role is necessary for the people of God. It's how we worship. It's how we respond to the love of God. It's how we celebrate God and all that he has done for us. And it shapes and forms Christ in us, which is what we're after anyway. It reminds us that we are beloved daughters and beloved sons of God, that we are a people who need to be reminded. I mean, throughout the Old Testament, it would be really interesting to go back and count the times that God has to remind the people of Israel of who he is and who they are in light of that. I am the God who brought you up out of Egypt. Remember, 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 the repetition is found, that same type of repetition of reminding the people of God who he is and who they are is found in the liturgy. It helps us remember, it teaches us, and it informs what we believe. That's the point of creeds, by the way, like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed. They affirm our faith. In the creeds, we are reciting again and again what it is that we believe. It teaches us that, and then it becomes our own belief over time. Think about it. Let's say you grew up in a church, for example, where you said the Apostles' Creed every single Sunday. You grew up in it, so uh, you know at first you really had to pay attention to the Word so that you could put it to memory. And then you just kept saying it over and over, and sometimes you were like really into it. Sometimes you might not have been. You were just saying it and going through the motions. Fine. But if someone were to ask you, what is it that you believe? Well, more than likely, the first thing that pops into your head would be, well, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, blah, blah, blah. Do you see what's happening? The liturgy shapes us. It informs us. It forms who we are, what we believe. And then how we respond to God's love for us and how we live out that love in the world. Are we getting it? Are we starting at least a little bit to see the beauty of liturgy? Well, I hope so. Hey, just a heads up before I let you go. 
I think the next couple episodes that we're going to be putting out is a conversation that I get to have with Dr. Jonathan Powers, who is the Assistant Professor of Worship at Asbury Theological Seminary. He's an ordained Anglican. He's also, um, yet he serves at a Methodist church, which is really fun. He's also the co-host of a podcast called Secondhand Religion. If you're interested in checking that out, that's Secondhand Religion with Dr. Jonathan Powers and a friend of his, Ryan Danker. And uh, I I would just say, get ready, because our conversation, um, it goes there. Um, I took a couple classes with Dr. Powers when I was in seminary and have kept up with him a little bit since. Really grateful that he joined us on the show. I look forward to sharing those episodes with you. All right. Bless you. Bless you.